0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. How's everybody doing today? Everybody doing good? Hey, I want y'all to give a hand clap for my really good friend, Winnie. She's right there. I'm so glad to see you, Winnie. Winnie, I love you. I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm so glad that you drove all the way across the Metroplex to be with us. Thank you all for driving here, and thank you all for greeting us online, everybody meeting us online, whether it's live stream or our podcast or YouTube or some secret underground dark web that shares our stuff. I don't know how you found us, but we're so glad that you're here. My name is Chris Fluitt, and we are in our series called Long Story Short, last week we talked about a person named Joseph. Everybody say Brosif. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and ended up in the land of Egypt. Egypt. That looms large in today's lesson. Joseph, because the Lord was with him, it said it over and over again, because the Lord was with him rose to rule Egypt as Pharaoh's second in command. And all of Joseph's family, that's his father, Jacob, also known as Israel, and his knucklehead brothers and sisters, nothing against the sisters, they were wonderful and very sweet. They were not nearly as knuckled of heads, the sisters. All of the people that are Israelites came to live in Egypt To escape the famine. Now they ended up staying. In Egypt. And they ended up. Multiplying. So let's read about it. Exodus chapter 1 verse 8. Then a new king. An Egyptian king. Also known as Pharaoh. To whom Joseph meant nothing. Came into power. In Egypt. Verse 9. Look. He said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. There was a new Pharaoh and the name Joseph meant nothing to him. Now that's kind of crazy. Do you realize how crazy that is? Because the the new Pharaoh had no understanding of his own Egyptian history. He did not know the virtuous story of a slave named Joseph. And how he was a man of God. And how he was gifted with dreams. And with great leadership. And how he saved the lives of many and grew the riches of Of Egypt. Egypt owed a great deal of gratitude to the name Joseph, but somebody forgot their history. Not in my sermon, but I'm telling you, America is in danger of losing its own history, forgetting the wars that we have fought forgetting the truth that we have stood up for. And we if we don't remember names like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, even some of our great soldiers, Audie Murphy, these are names that are like, who are these people? And it's like, what? How does that mean nothing to you? These people fought for the land that you're living for, and we're better off for them. Now, as great as those examples are, I'm telling you, Joseph, that's quite the example. Because remember, Joseph had this thing, wherever he was, blessing went. And if you wanted to be a dummy, you would try to get Joseph out of your life, remember? His brothers, Potiphar's wife, and now this new pharaoh wanted Joseph's lineage completely away from him and subjugated to him. So Exodus 1 and 11 says this. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pytham and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. They became slaves in Egypt. The people of Israel, slaves. They were mistreated. They were brutally uh, oppressed. They, They were forced to build monuments to false Egyptian gods. I want to ask you, how could that happen? These were the people of promise, and God was the one who promised. So how are they going through all these problems? If God really was God, and he made promises to give them the land of Israel, and to bless them, and to be with them, how in the world are they slaves all of a sudden? It seems like maybe God's promises aren't true sometimes. I'm, am I scaring anybody? No, I'm, I'm very real with you. There are sometimes God says one thing, and you go through a storm right after, and you're like, but God, you just said, and what we think is, we think that the present somehow trumps God and his word. <laughs> and if you're not careful, you can think that in this story. If we aren't careful, we can think about that in our life. When we get a bad report from the doctor, when we lose our job, when we have a, a flat tire, when something happens in our life and you go, well, God, I, I thought you said you were going to be with me and bless me. And like, look, I have a flat tire. How can the promises of God be true? I'm telling you the promises of God are stronger than your Firestone. They are stronger than your Michelin. They are stronger than whatever tire brand. I've, run, I've exhausted all the tire brands I can name. I'm telling you that, that God's promises are yes. And they are amen. amen. That means they are always yes. And they are always settled. Amen. And you can count on it. So what is going on here? Let's, let's think a little bit. Number one. We can't ignore the fact that the brothers sold Joseph into slavery into the land of Egypt. You can't not notice that. And this terrible act ends up enslaving all of, all of them. It's because they sent their brother to Egypt that they ended up in Egypt as slaves themselves. Oh, learn a little bit. If you cause destruction for others, destruction often comes your way. If you lie about others, it's amazing how liars will then turn around and lie about you as well. Yeah. It's also amazing if you bless others, it won't belong to you. You see blessing flow back to you. Now, listen Why? to me. That is not karma. No, it isn't. I, the karma is not a biblical idea. It is not a biblical term. No. Okay? That is not karma. But it is the law of sowing and reaping. The law of you plant a seed and then you harvest exactly what you planted. And those brothers, they, they planted a seed when they sold their brother into slavery and then their children have to harvest it. Parents, everyone be careful what you're planting today because it won't be harvested today. But one day down the road, someone you love will have to harvest the decisions you're making right now. Look at somebody say, he's preaching. Right, that's true. How are my kids doing? Are my kids in here? Kids, y'all have your notes? Y'all taking notes? Y'all can talk to me right now. Kids, are y'all taking notes? Yes. Taking notes? I'm glad you are. All right, good. Number two, God had already told Abraham that his children were going to spend 400 years in Egypt. Did y'all miss that part? See, often we're reading along or often we're we're reading in our Bible or we're going through a situation. We're like, how did God, God, how did this happen? And God had already talked to us about it. That happens all the time, all the time. Literally, God already talked to Abram and told him, one day your children are going to be enslaved and be brutally oppressed in the land of Egypt for 400 years. That's Abraham. Abraham. How how far back does that go? Well, Abraham's son is Isaac. Isaac's son is Jacob. Jacob's son is Joseph. So before before Joseph's there, his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather already got a word from God that this was going to happen. When did it happen? On the very same night, Abraham received the cutting of the covenant. Remember that sermon? But the cutting of the covenant... Look at this. Genesis 15 verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. The promise has already been given. I don't know what you're going through today. But I guarantee you, God has already given you a promise. And it's your job to hold on to the promise through trial, through tribulation, through prison, through pits, through armies, through war, through sickness, Through it all, through fear, through darkness, you hold on to the promises of God. Because the promises of God are yes and amen. amen. They were slaves in Egypt, but it was not a surprise to God. God already knew that they would be in Egypt and God already had a plan to get them out. God already has a plan. Somebody say that out loud. God already has a plan. God already has a plan to bring you out. He already has a plan to bless you. He already has a plan to set you free. Because these Israelite slaves kept multiplying, Pharaoh ordered the killing of baby boys. This is really tough. The Pharaoh thought that one day these boys might grow up to handle a sword, and they would help overthrow his rule. So, The Pharaoh ordered that all baby boys would be thrown into what river? Anybody know? The Nile. N-I-L-E. It is the Nile River. Exodus 2 talks about a mother who had a baby boy, and she tried to hide him from the guards that were running through the city, finding any baby boy they could see, and throwing them in the river. And she's hiding this baby boy. And she was able to hide this boy for three months but sensed that she could no longer hide him. So what does she do? She does a very strange thing. I would tell you that she does a thing and God never even told her to do the thing. When you look at it, God never tells her to do what what I'm about to tell you. What she does is she builds a small little ark, kind of like Noah's ark. She builds it and she puts the baby in the ark and then she puts the baby where? In the Nile. Now wait, isn't that where they're going to throw the babies? Isn't that where all the babies are dying? Yes. But she puts that baby in the ark and then she surrenders it to God. That's, it. that's what she did. Sometimes you have to face the Nile River. Sometimes you have to face that darkness. Sometimes you have to face that thing that's coming against you. But you are not facing it alone. You are trusting and surrendering in God's plan. Reminder nowhere does it say an angel came to her. In fact, we know that God has not spoken to her because God hasn't spoken to anybody in 400 years. There is no prophecy during this time. There is no spoken word of God. There are no books of the Bible written during this period of time. 400 years of silence. And she goes and does this thing. Perhaps God gave her the idea, but perhaps she just prayed that God would somehow rescue her son. Sometimes you got a wing and a prayer. Sometimes Bon Jovi is right. You're living on a prayer. You're living on a prayer, Dad. It's called yeah. living on a prayer. That's the song. Somewhere, s- somehow, someone found the baby in the ark, floating on the Nile riverbank. And who was it? Does anybody know? Shout it out if you know who was who was it? Pharaoh's daughter, the princess of Egypt. The daughter of Pharaoh, the bad Pharaoh. The baby-killing Pharaoh, the real bad news Pharaoh who had no time for Joseph and the people of Joseph, her, his daughter finds this baby. And then the sister of this baby, her name is Miriam. She's watching from afar, and she watches where the ark goes. And she sees somebody approach it and she runs from a distance and she runs up to that Egyptian princess and she says, hey, would you like me to help you find maybe a Hebrew mother to help you nurse the baby? I mean, like the princess doesn't have a time to like contemplate this, to process what's going on. There's a baby here. Suddenly there's a person. Well, yeah, the baby obviously needs a mother to nurse it. And so the princess says, yeah, that would be so good. So the, that sister runs off. Where do you think she runs to? She runs to her mom, the mother named Jochebed, the mother of this unnamed baby. The baby's not named yet. The actual mother who had built the ark and who had trusted God. She ended up nursing her own baby for Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because God is faithful. She's in 400 years of silence. God's not even talking. But even when God's silent, he's faithful. Even when you don't understand what's going on, he's faithful. Even when you see the promises here, but you see guards here ripping babies out of mother's hands. Even when it doesn't make sense, you listen to me. God is faithful. Can you say that word out loud? God is faithful. I'm so glad you're in church today because there's a faithful God here today. And there's no telling what he will do for you today. Exodus chapter 1 verse 10 says this. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. It's actually Pharaoh's daughter who names the son. And she names him from this time when she drew him out of the water. This is the story of Moses, the prince. Somebody say the prince. prince. Against all odds, the Hebrew boy became a prince of Egypt. This slave was royalty all of a sudden. You know the only difference between this little child and the other child is when a royal claimed him. Mm-hmm. That that baby is as good as dead anywhere else, but a royal came up and claimed him. Do you know that a royal has claimed you? Yes. Do you know that God in heaven has claimed you? He has called you his own. Do you know that you are royalty? That you're a prince of the king of heaven. Against all odds, it is true for you. What the slaves experienced, however, is far different from what Moses' day-to-day is. The slaves are in an area called Goshen, and the prince is in an area called the palace. The slaves have to struggle for food. The prince never is lacking. The slaves are mistreated and abused, but the prince, he's pampered in luxury and in education. Although Moses was far removed from the life of a slave, he understood and cared for his fellow Israelites. That's good. We need to care for other people, right? Is that right? Yeah, we do. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard Labor. He didn't turn a blind eye to them. He went right to where they were to watch them. Yes. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Verse 12, looking this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. This is kind of weird, right? Prince Moses wanted to do something good to help the abused slave. That's good, right? But Prince Moses decided to kill the Egyptian taskmaster. That's bad, isn't it? In fact, you might have missed this part for everybody who's read it. Verse 12 says, looking this way and that way, he didn't see anybody. What does that tell you? It's a premeditated murder here. He's like, I'm going to kill this dude. Is anybody around here? Does it say it? Yeah, he is premeditatedly killing this Egyptian. Is that bad? Yes, I'm glad we all agree. If you didn't, if you have questions about that, let me tell you. Yes, that's bad. Bad. Right? God doesn't want you going around killing people. All right, good. Just making sure you knew that, Alex. All right. Sometimes we can have the right desire, but the wrong method Although Moses meant to do good, he did it the wrong way. Exodus 2.13, the next day, Moses went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. He's he's like, well, I'm going to go protect my people. Here we go. He goes up and he says, he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who are you? Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Whoa. Then Moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. In other words, these aren't this, these aren't even the Hebrews I helped, and somehow they know that means people are talking. I want to tell you your sins never stay hidden. Jesus taught us that in Luke twelve two. Moses' murder was known and the Pharaoh found out, and the Pharaoh tries to kill Moses. Moses, But he escapes to a far off land called Midian. Can you say Midian? Midian? M-I-D-I-A-N. The name Midian means strife. It means fight. It means argument. And that perfectly describes where Moses is. He is experiencing strife between what he felt he was called to do and how he accomplished it. And how he believes in God but it seems like he can't find a purpose in God and and he, he feels like he's called to do something but now he had to run for his life now what can he do? he is experiencing strife is anybody living in Midian today where you got strife and a dissonance between who you think you're called to be but who you are in the mirror when we look To do things our own way. We end up in a place like Midian. That's Moses the prince. But now the prince of Egypt is called an outlaw. While in Midian, Moses meets a woman named Zipporah. And he marries her. They have children. And Moses takes on a new profession. Meet Moses the shepherd. The royal Moses is no longer found in the palace, but in the wilderness tending sheep. Some would consider the wilderness a step down from the palace. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Some would consider the role of shepherd to be a step down from prince. Would, Would you agree with that? All right, we're in agreement. But in the wilderness... What if that's where you encounter God? What if in the wilderness you find that God has a purpose for you and a role for you and a plan for you? Is that still a step down or does it become a step up? I'm telling you, don't focus on where you are right now. Focus on the plan God is revealing for you. Because that is really what has to do with a step up versus a step down. Who has experience where you lost a job only to find a better job? Whoever went through a relationship loss only to find a better relationship. Whoever went through a hard experience but you trusted God and you turned around and you found a really meaningful, life-changing experience. That's how God works. If the role of shepherd is a God-given job, then it beats the role of a prince. I'm telling you, if God gives you a role, it's better than any man giving you a role. If God gives you the profession, nobody can fire you from it but God. If man gives you the profession, they can can fire you just because they don't like the color tie that you're wearing. You're you're. Your popularity with God beats your popularity with the kids at school. Because one moment you can be popular with the kids at school, and the next moment the kids that are popular, it, it flips somehow, and they are no longer popular. They are the losers. It, that's, that's school, right? That's it. If God is the one assigning you and calling you and bringing you into the wilderness, then that is always a step up. If God's with you, it's always a step up. Some reading here, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, where the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. This is known as the burning bush very good Moses saw that the bush was on fire it did not burn up though the bush was on fire it did not burn up verse 3 so Moses thought you know I'm gonna go over there and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up verse 4 when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look Sometimes God's got something to say. He's just waiting to see what you do. Read it. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. Sometimes God's just wondering, are you interested? I imagine God looks over a worship service and goes, I wonder if they're interested. Do you think they're interested in the calling I've got for them? Do you think they're interested in the plan I've got for them? Do you think that they're interested in the way I'm going to bring victory into their life? Maybe. And he's just looking at them. And there is something you can do that gets God's attention. And he says, Yeah, they're interested. Does your worship tell God, Yeah, I'm interested? Does it? We're going to open this altar tonight. Will you show God that, Yeah, I'm interested? And it could be a curiosity. That's what's going on with Moses. I wonder why, I wonder why that bush is not burning up. And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. God might call to you tonight. I believe he will. I believe that you play a role in that. I believe you play a role in that. God wants to call to you. From within the bush, he calls him by name, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then God says something funny. He says, don't come any closer. Uh That's what he says. God said, take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Go on a few verses to verse 10. God says this, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Real quick, i will get this picture for you. He was in Egypt, he was a what? A prince. But he messed that up, right? And God sends him back there. God has a way of sending us right back to our failures to mop it up and claim victory. Let me tell you, where is he standing at this moment on the burning bush? At the burning bush? It's Mount what? Yeah, he returns to that mountain too. And he has an experience with God that like, oh, we can only dream about. God calls him back to that moment where he felt like a afraid little shepherd. And he sees God face to face, the Bible says. Uh, Bible also says no man can see God and live. Tell it to Moses. Figure that out. Because he sees him face to face. God has a way of calling you, but he calls you right back, right back to that place. I'm telling you, some of you have school bullies. God might call you right back to share the gospel to them. God has some people, maybe in your job, that have caused all kinds of grief for you. And God might call you right to them to pray with them. God might call you to that thing you tried before and failed. And he might call you right back there to have the greatest victory. That's how God works. Where's God calling you? Sometimes you got to know where you've been because that's probably where he's calling you back to. Some of you used to be more involved in the ministry, but something hurt you. God wants to call you back. Moses. Moses. I want to send you back. God is going to use Moses to deliver the Israelite slave In Egypt. Now remember, Moses wanted to deliver the slaves, but he killed a man. God chose Moses to do the very thing that was in Moses' heart to do already. Deliver the bound. But God was going to deliver in a different way. You see, previously he thought, well, I'll just I'll kill a guy and I'll make it happen that way. I'll I'll force the hands of people physically. I'll use my strength to do that. God was going to deliver in a different way. God has a way of delivering in a different way. God was not calling Moses to be a warrior who would swing a sword, but a shepherd who would lead people like sheep. And for the rest of his ministry, he had a shepherd's rod in his hand. What is God calling you to do? He might be. How might you be going about it the wrong way? You've got that desire in your heart like Moses had, but maybe you're going about it the wrong way. I guarantee you that God is calling you to be a shepherd of people. Listen, every person that is a follower of God, God has a role for you of shepherd. He want, which sometimes we think only one guy in the church is pastor. I'm telling you, mom and dad, you're called to pastor your children You're called to shepherd those people. You're called to make disciples of people and lead them through their wilderness to a mountaintop experience with God. That's all of your purpose. I know it for you. you. To lead people out of bondage and slavery and into the freedom of God's kingdom. That's your purpose. Moses, the prince. And Moses, the shepherd returned to Egypt to lead his people to the land God had promised Abraham but there was a problem Pharaoh wasn't hip to God's plan Pharaoh wasn't a big plan wasn't a big fan of God's plan and so Moses would have to become something else he would have to become a deliverer talk about Moses the deliverer God would tell Moses what to say God would tell Moses What to do, and then Moses was obedient. And after Moses was obedient, God would deliver. That's how it works. God tells you what to say, God tells you what to do, and when you are obedient, that's when God delivers. That's how the plan works. That's how it works for you today. And 10 times God spoke to Moses, and 10 times God, Moses obeyed, and then God poured out 10 plagues. Upon Egypt. Do you remember these plagues? Number one. He turned water into blood. The very Nile. Remember that river? Remember how they threw little boys in it? That Nile turned to blood. That thing that they actually. They worshipped the Nile as a god. The Egyptians did. They worshipped it as a life giving god. They looked at that god. All of a sudden. And it was putrid, and it smelled terrible, and it was a curse, and it was a plague. That's just day one of God using Moses to deliver. Day two, there's a plague of frogs. They also worship the frogs. You like frogs, I hear. Here's a bunch of them. You still like these frog gods? Right? It goes on. There's a plague of gnats. He, he strikes the ground and the dirt of Egypt flies up and becomes gnats. They worship the ground. And it became a curse for them. On and on, the plague of flies, a plague of livestock, a plague of boils upon their skin, a plague of hell falling from the sky, a plague of locusts, a plague of darkness, and a plague on the firstborn. These plagues. Ten of them. We're a product of obedience. Powerful things happen when we obey God. Obedience brings deliverance. These plagues denounced the false gods of Egypt and exalted the one true God of Israel. Right here, the plague on the firstborn, this kills the next Pharaoh. This kills Pharaoh's firstborn son they worship the pharaoh as god darkness right here they serve a god called Ra. he's the sun god (laughs) where'd the sun god go it's completely dark everywhere one of the cool parts about that story it was not dark everywhere somehow in goshen the sun shined all of egypt covered in darkness except where god's people are There's light. I'm telling you, the people of God need to have a light in them, even when there's darkness everywhere. I want to tell you that obedience brings deliverance, and obedience exalts the true God. Obedience will end up causing the other gods to be shown for the frauds that they are. God delivered the people of Israel through a deliverer named Moses, God wants to deliver people. Through a deliverer named Winnie. Through a deliverer named Ron. Through a deliverer named Kathy. Through a deliverer named Robert. Through a deliverer named Braden, Through a deliverer named Patricia. Through a deliverer named Marshall. Through a deliverer named Cleta. Through a deliverer named Alex. Through a deliverer named Courtney. He wants to call you to do His delivering work. In the name of Jesus. Mm. God wants to use you. You are that deliverer he wants to call. It takes a brave person to obey God, doesn't it? Can you be that brave person? God does the hard part. He does the supernatural part. You just have to muster up enough guts to do the natural part and go, Yes, God, I will try to do that. And go do it. Pharaoh finally begs Israel to leave. He's like, can y'all please leave? And Israel ends up walking out of Egypt free, healed, and blessed with wealth. God wants to still deliver us in that way. Y'all listen, God does want to heal us. God does want to free us. And God does want to bless us. But they end up In a weird spot, don't they? Anybody know what's coming next? Pharaoh once again changes his mind. What is it with this guy, Pharaoh? And he decides he's going to go after Israel with his army of chariots. And Israel is suddenly trapped at the Red Sea. It's an uncrossable sea. And it's on one side of them. And they're hemmed in it with mountains everywhere except behind them where they just came And who's behind them now? Pharaoh and his army is on the other side. And Moses and the Israelites are in the middle. Surrounded by mountains, a sea, and a king coming to kill them. Israel's trapped. I thought God freed us. Oh, and some of those Israelites immediately start complaining. A thing that continues. I thought God was freeing us. Now we're going to die. Thanks a lot, Moses. That That happens. God's promises are still true even when there's a Red Sea there on one side and even when there's an angry Pharaoh on the other side because God's promises are yes and amen. The same God who spoke from the burning bush becomes a pillar of cloud, the Bible says pillar of cloud. I want to imagine a swirly cloud that becomes a tall pillar from the ground all the way up to the sky. Maybe the tallest thing they'd ever seen. Maybe taller than mountains. And it's this pillar of cloud. Maybe it looks like an, an in-control kind of tornado that's like a pillar. And it's God. It's a theophany. It's a temporary manifestation of God. And God Himself becomes this pillar of cloud, and do you know where he stands—in between Israel and their enemy. He stands between Israel and the Egyptians. If you'll allow God, He will stand between you and your enemies, and you don't even have to fight them. Exodus fourteen twenty says that this supernatural pillar ends up bringing light to Israel, but darkness to Egypt. In this moment, which takes more than a few minutes, it takes like hours somehow. It takes like a long time. There's some clues about this. But what happens is God's lighting them, that are the Israelites, and God is confusing the enemy. They're like, why can't we get to them? Where are we going? Chariots bumping into each other? Because a pillar that is your God is confusing them. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the Red Sea. Now listen. You listen. God could have done that without Moses. God could have done all of this without Moses. But God wants to use somebody. God can do it without you. But God wants to use you. Your hands. Somebody hold up your hands. God wants to use your hands. And Moses, he stretched forth his hands over the Red Sea. And then God caused a strong east wind to part the Red Sea and dry the ground for them to cross. They even walked on dry ground. Then Pharaoh and his army tried to cross the Red Sea behind them. And probably you know this part, right? Moses once again stretches his hands over the Red Sea. And the waters were turned with a crash. And destroyed the Egyptian army. Washing them away forever. They would never have to worry about Pharaoh again. They'd never have to worry about slavery again. If I had time. I'd tell you that the reproach of being a slave was still on them. And God had to roll that away at a later time. But I don't have time to tell you about that. Moses, he's the prince. He's the shepherd. He's the deliverer. And God used him every bit of the way. Moses continues to lead Israel towards the promised land. God continually does the supernatural miracles for them. The pillar of cloud goes with them and leads them. In fact, when the pillar of cloud stops, they stop and they set up camp until the pillar of cloud moves again. And they're like, all right, time to go. GPS, God's positioning system right there. God's moving as that pillar of cloud for them. And, and, and a rock rolls around. The original rolling stone right there is not Mick Jagger. It is the Lord. And this supernatural rock Gives water to millions of people. There's several millions of people here. And the water comes out of this rock and provides water for everyone. There's also bread from heaven that appears. And they don't know what to call it. So they they call it, what's this? And it's the word manna. (laughs) What's this? my, my, My kids do that every time my wife cooks. They're like, manna, what's this? What's this? Wife's at home with Will. Everybody say, hey, Will. Hey, Will. Get to feeling better. Get to feel better. I love my wife. Thank you for cooking manna for us. God's doing all this stuff, and they even travel with the tabernacle of God, and in it is an ark of the covenant and the very laws and commands of God that God wrote on a tablet with his own finger. Everywhere they turn, there's supernatural wonders happening. But what's the story about? Let's come back to that. This idea. Let's try to make it short. All of a sudden, what's this story about? How, what are we supposed to get out of this? I want to tell you the entire story. Always points us towards who? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus told us that you do well to study the scriptures because they testify of me. This story is ultimately about Jesus because why? Jesus is the Prince. And Jesus is the shepherd. And Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the royal one from a kingdom called heaven. He's that royal one. Jesus is that shepherd who leads us. And Jesus is that deliverer who sets us free. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. And he sits on the very throne of God. And Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. Who lays down my life for my sheep. And Jesus is the one who delivers us from evil. He delivers us from sin. And he delivers us from death. Jesus Christ is the prince. He's the shepherd. And he's the deliverer. In fact, he is the more perfect. See, that's the key. He's not just another Moses. He's a better Moses. Y'all understand that? All through this series, we talked about Jesus is like Joseph, but he's not just another Joseph. He's a better Joseph. You understand? He's not just a, the ark. He's a better ark. Constantly, he is the better one. All those things were inferior and they passed away. <laughs> but they point to a king who will never pass away. He lives forever and ever and ever. Amen. Jesus says these words. How about this? John five forty six? 46. Oh, you don't say this unless it's true. If you say this and it's not true, you get shut down immediately. But he says it. If you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. <laughs> Check and mate. What do you do with that? They didn't know what to do with that except not believe him. But here here well let's 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 just play that role for a second. Okay, Jesus show me. Where did Moses write about you? Well, we've been talking about this one verse all the time. It's the first messianic prophecy, it's the first prophecy of of Messiah, of Jesus coming. Anybody remember where it's found? It's Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Throw it up there. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. You will, he will crush your head. You will strike his heel. Jesus will have his heel struck, but he will crush the head of the enemy. Who wrote this verse? Moses. Moses. So he could be talking about the very first messianic prophecy. He could also be talking about Exodus 18 and 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. There is a prophet coming, and you must listen to him. He's going to be raised up from among you, and you must listen to him. Now, listen, that could have been anybody, right? Because there's a lot of prophets, right? Uh huh. Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 19. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among your fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. The Jews always knew that this was Messiah. They always tied this to 3.15 of Genesis. This is Jesus. That Jesus is the greatest prophet ever. Yeah, right. He has the word of God in his mouth. In fact, John says it like this. He is the very word of God. Right. He is, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. The word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 Jesus is that word, the very word of God. Scripture goes on to say that Jesus is the bread from heaven that fed the Israelites in the wilderness. That's John six fifty one. It goes on to say that he is the rock that gives spiritual drink. Uh, that's 1 Corinthians 10 and 4. It says that he is the bronze snake. That is lifted up for all to see and be healed and be saved. That's in John chapter three, verse 14. All those are supernatural occurrences in the wilderness. And Jesus says, Yep, that's me. Jesus is the prince. He's the shepherd. He's the deliverer. Do you agree with that today? I want all my musicians to come, I want my worship team to come. As they're coming, I wanna I wanna bring this to you and I want us to Kind of a call to action. You need to do something with this. This is It's not enough for you to just go. Well that was a good sermon. I learned a few good things. I like you to learn stuff. But if that's all that, that this is about. You all should just go to the library. And just go read something and learn. No. You need to receive this Jesus. You need to come to this Jesus. And serve him. And follow him. And find your purpose in him. Do you know your purpose? Do you really know your purpose? Then you better be walking in it. Some of you know your purpose, but you're not walking in it. Are you walking with Jesus in your purpose? Is he using you like he used Moses? There's so much more we can talk about there. Jesus. But I want to ask you this. Is Jesus your royal authority? Is he your king? Are you looking to him to lead you and to speak to you? Is Jesus your shepherd? Is he taking you through the wilderness? Is Jesus your deliverer? Do you want him to set you free today? Is there something that you're bound to today? He wants to set you free. And this is always something to pray for. I want you to pray about it today. But perhaps you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe that's you today. I invite you to come today. And I do mean come. I mean you to have the guts to walk down here and say, Pastor Chris, I have never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I want to. Come make him Lord today. You can do it today. You can walk out of here with a brand new Lord over your life. John chapter 1 verse 17 says these words. It says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law of God came through Moses. It's the Ten Commandments. That's some really good stuff right there. That's like, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. You shouldn't lie to each other. You should honor your mother and your father, right? You should have a day of rest, all these things. And we're thankful for all those things. All of those things are from God and they are true. We're thankful for that. But it says that grace and truth came through Jesus. Maybe you've had the rules in your life, but you've not had grace in your life. Maybe you've not really understood truth. If you want grace and if you want truth, there's only one person that can give it to you. It's not your pastor. It's not a really good preacher. It's not even a really good worship team. The one person that can give you grace and give you truth is Jesus himself. That's why you have to come talk to him. That's why it's not enough to learn about Him. That's why you've got to come talk to Him. Because that's where you receive grace and you receive truth. You actually don't really receive the truth from the sermon. You receive truth from the one who gives truth. Jesus Christ. Do you see that? You believe that? That's why we come pray. That's why we do this. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. The grace and truth you need only come through Jesus God called Moses, God is calling you, will you come right now? Everybody in this room, I want, I want to minister to you today, I want us to worship God today, I want to reach out to Him and find Him today. Father, I pray right now for all my friends watching, listening online. Oh, God, that you would touch them and you would lead them, God, that you would call them back to the place of their defeat and that they would be called there and receive victory, that they'd be called there with a purpose and a plan from God. God, that you would use them for your glory, God. Lord, I come against the enemy. I come against the Pharaoh in their life in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want the work of God to be in their life. God, be their king, God, and be their shepherd, God, and be their deliverer, God, and set them free in every situation, Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody online. Reach out to him. Call on him. Reach out to him because he's in the room with you. He's there with you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, let's reach out to the Lord in this place. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.